on the cover. Our heroes are posed in an obvious homage to a classic Star Wars movie poster. In the foreground, Pendragon stands heroically with Excalibur held skyward in both hands, radiating light in all directions. Just behind him and to one side, Fundraiser and Shatter strike heroic poses while looking forward with determined faces. Next to Pendragon's feet, sprawled out in sultry pose with one arm wrapped around Pendragon's boot and the other hitching up his kilt, is Gustav the Armored. In the background looms the larger-than-life black helmet of Sir Sinister next to a mysteriously glowing underwater cave, out of which swims what appears to be merfolk. Wonderworld Comics proudly presents Unlikely Encounters, Volume 5, Once and Future Heroes, Issue 1, Co-Star Wars. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Our comic opens on a string of panels that are very, like, almost pitch black. You can just barely see what appears to be glowing coals in the background. There's a soft clanging of a hammer on metal. As the panels progress, the clanging gets louder and louder, and the coals begin to flare and grow, glow bright red. And as the clanging is just becoming this intense cacophony and the heat becomes overwhelming, uh, turn the page and see Gage fast asleep early on a Saturday morning. Uh, Zeb, why don't you go ahead and uh, we'll just remind the readers what Gage looks like and uh, what his room looks like. All right, so let me guys give you a bit of a flashback to 2007. Uh, so Gage is about 6'2", wicked lanky, uh, emo-swept hair. He sleeps in uh, pajama pants and a band tee that is way too big for him. Uh, his room is covered in band posters there's all kinds of different uh, memorabilia of uh, gothic varieties or things that you would uh, just buy on hot topic in the spending spree but stationed in the corner is his uh, crown jewel which is his uh, computer setup uh, where everything is sort of dark and bleak the only light that radiates is the glow from his keyboard and monitor which he uh, does not shut off as much as he should and the setup is massive uh, with all kinds of wiring and other kind of hardware to accommodate for his uh, hacking activities but as per every Saturday morning he is uh, currently sleeping through his fifth alarm um, awesome and uh as you are fast asleep, having this dream, uh, hear a voice slowly getting louder and louder in your ear. Gage? Gage? Gage, how many times do I have to yell your name before you get up? This is important! Uh, five more minutes. No! Merlin, please. Just one weekend. This is urgent! Urgent It's always urgent. Fine. God. Last night, I received urgent news. 
from Thalassian sorceress priestess Ninye. Uh, okay. Ninian sensed a disturbance in the blade force. Uh-huh. And for the first time in over a decade, heard magic of the hammer of Hephaestus. And uh, hammer of Hephaestus is written out like big flaming letters. And there's a little asterisk with an editor's note um, that uh, longtime Wonder World comic book readers would know uh, that um, the hammer of Hephaestus was famously, famously wielded by Forge Master who was uh, a Silver Age hero, kind of supporting character, who forged um, many of the greatest and most powerful magical artifacts of today, including uh, like the armor that Akina wears now, um, uh, Neptune's trident, and a lot of uh, yeah other impressive magical items. Uh, over over a, a while ago, a long time ago, uh, 10 years, in fact, uh, Forge Master was in a climactic duel with Sir Sinister, and Sir Sinister pulled uh, the katana Masamune from the Blade Force, and the katana is so perfectly forged and uh, sharp that it can slice through space and time. And Sir Sinister opened a portal to the Nightmare Realm, and Forge Master. Uh, dove through the portal fighting valiantly and then used his hammer to seal it shut from the inside and hasn't been hurt from since. Uh, Gage, having ignored or slept through most of Merlin's history lessons, just stares like, guys, that's so bright. It's like already 10 a.m. What, 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 why are you showing me this? Because first off, I'm telling you, which means it's important and you need to do it. Second off, Ninian told me, and if Ninian believes it, it's important, then it is and we need to listen to her. For sure. I'm telling you, okay. She's, after all, the granddaughter of the Lady of the Lake who forged your sword. Oh. Why didn't you start with that? Oh. Is she saying? I did. Years ago, when you first drew the sword. Oh, yeah, Chief, I don't remember any of that. Uh, Merlin uh, kind of harumps and his spirit starts floating around the room. Um, what does uh, this inner, this, what does Merlin look like? Or, yeah, this, his spirit. Um... See, I'd imagine uh, if we're going with the Star Wars theme, Merlin kind of looks like a Force ghost, uh, mm -hmm. being this like translucent, pale blue kind of figure. But through the uh, visage of his image, he is your very stereotypical depiction of Merlin, uh, being this older gentleman with a long, flowing beard, uh, pointed star hat. But uh, the only difference is is uh, he has a matching star bathrobe, which is uh, the only thing uh, he wears with his uh, slippers. Excellent. And uh, he kind of floats around in harumps as he starts uh, grabbing. He, and, uh, he grabs one of your darkest purple hoodies and throws it in your direction. Oh, oh, you get, oh, you get. Oh, oh, geez. This is an important quest. And you, 
as the wielder of the mighty Excalibur have inherited this great purpose. Mm. Ah, quests. Jeez. Can't I... I don't know. Is there like an auto mode, like an MMOs or something? Can I can I just click that and let it take me there? Can can Excalibur do that for me? You know what an MMO is, right, Gramps? This could be a matter of life and death, young Fay. This could be a matter of life and death. Oh, fine. Take responsibility for your actions and quit goofing around. And with that, Merlin is absolutely trying to shift your labels. All um, right. Yeah, I think he is trying to um, raise your uh, superior. Or no, he's trying to raise your savior. You need to go and be the hero you were meant to be. And he's trying to lower your superior. Because you're being kind of a smartass. All right. Um... I think as much of a smartass as uh, he's being, deep down he knows that this is the right thing to do, so he's not going to resist it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so with that, uh, he'll grumble a bit, but he'll uh, get dressed in his uh, typical attires, um, putting on his black bodysuit underneath, knowing that uh, he'll uh, at least need that for the transformation, because one-time armor chafing is too many. Mm -hmm. Never again. And uh, as we get um, kind of a nice wide shot of Gage uh, putting on his clothes and uh, being helped by uh, still harumphing Merlin, um, we turn the page and see the glittering, newly opened UNHRA West Coast headquarters dazzling in the morning sun. Ryan, uh, why don't you go ahead and... uh, Describe the what their your the brand new headquarters of the UNHRA looks like. So, in keeping with sort of the standard style of UNHRA, well, not buildings but complexes, what you have is a series of buildings that each have sort of a central administrative or primary function building and then radiating off from them are a series of hallways that then lead to whether it's smaller offices or like labs or possibly storage areas for equipment vehicles um, barracks for the people who are staying there it's really a campus in the sense of a series of buildings each of which are themselves a bunch of interconnected buildings. And also in keeping with, you know, classic superhero style, there is a vast underground network that connects them all as well. Of course, of course. Of course, yeah. I mean, you have to have that. If nothing else, it's just for security purposes. Exactly, exactly. You can't have a giant headquarters without a complex underground maze. Correct. It's been a standard since ancient Greece. <laughs> um, uh, there's a reason it's a classic. <laughs> and we get a kind of zoom in on one of these buildings. It's a one of the taller ones. Uh, on the top floor, it's got floor-to-ceiling glass windows. And this is kind of the... It's a little bit bigger and nicer than the barracks rooms. kind of sweet. Where uh, 
Renard? Renard? Renard. Ren. Uh, where Ren is, uh, getting ready for his day, uh, with his handler, Cecil. Uh, Cecil's, uh, sitting at the countertop, sipping a coffee, and, uh, looking at the newspaper. Uh, what is, what is Ren up to? Um, so you said we're talking about around the same time, about 10 in the morning? Mm-hmm. Okay. So by 10 in the morning, I would say that um, Renard has probably already been up for probably a few hours, depending on which time zone he's most recently been in and still adjusting to. Mm-hmm. So he's probably still got a little bit of that lingering where he was before in the world. So let's say he's been up probably for about four hours. Okay. Um, I'd say he's been up. He's read over some of he's read over briefing information for the day, kind of keeping tabs on things that are going on um, and looking in to see if he got any reports from any of the more personal sources that he's developed as you know, as he's gone out into the world to see if anyone has any additional information for him on some topics that he's interested in. Um, and. 10.30 in the morning, probably having, oh, let's call it, like, second breakfast. Um, Perfect. And so probably at the counter, flipping through, scrolling through, like, a tablet. Um, you know, a little bit of food and probably a cup of tea or something. Uh, They're also kind of just across from Cecil, doing that kind of awkward, but also kind of comfortable. You're kind of doing your thing. I'm kind of doing my thing. Parallel. Um, which I think is a lot of their relationship when they're mm-hmm. not, like, actively in the field. Mm-hmm. And why don't you give our readers a quick physical description of uh, Renard and Cecil? Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, Renard is a 17-year-old uh, white male. Um, he looks a little older at first blush, just because he's got a little bit of, like, permanent 5 o'clock shadow. Um, he has a relatively lean body. Um, it's not skinny, but you can kind of see where it used to be. Um, he typically, he's probably wearing his, like, casual outfit or style clothing, which is what I, which is described as, um, like, urban tourist kind of vibes um designed to kind of blend in with uh, his surroundings um uh otherwise he's got you know kind of a softer smile um like blue eyes kind of that like shorter on the sides and back and kind of just like always tussled but looks like maybe there's product in it uh dark hair perfect and uh, what about your handler, Cecil? Um, I'm going to say that Cecil is, in some ways, kind of the opposite. He's got a heavier build that's more muscular. Um, they're both about six feet tall. Um, and Cecil has, um, like, a lighter complexion in terms of, like, more, like, light brown, almost blonde hair. Um, and then, like, softer green eyes. Uh, very clean shaven, 
I'm trying to think here. I'm, I'm picturing Cecil. Um, but yeah, and I'd say age-wise, again, kind of the opposite, where he's older, but in a lot of ways looks younger. So he's probably in his early 30s, but could easily pass for being in like his mid-20s. Cool. Um, Cecil, uh, without looking up from his paper, says, uh, all right, uh, got glad handing the next half hour, got there for kicking off the big Paragon Bay cleanup, make sure you get all the highlights, you know, cleaning up after the dangerous spacecraft debris that is sunk into the water, uh, after the terrorist attack, you know, uh, we're here to help. Also celebrating the opening of our headquarters, yada yada, you know the drill. Right. Um, and PR was okay with terrorists. I know there was some question about that at one of the meetings. They went ahead. Um, they, they, they said that's the verbiage we want to use. That was the verbiage passed to me by the mayor. Okay. As long as, as, long as the boss's boss's bosses are all okay with it. Um, yeah, I can. Okay. Terrorist. Spaceship. Crashed, debris, cleanup. We're here to help. And also, we're so much here to help, we're establishing a permanent presence. Pretty much it. And then later tonight, something that might be a little bit more your speed. Got an op underwater investigating something interesting that command found while they were uh, doing sonar scans of the bay. I have more details for you later this afternoon. Okay, so after the day events, uh, change into my my, uh, night attire, and then go for a swim. Okay. Yep, rebreather will be supplied via dead drop. Okay. Mission will kick off about, oh my god, and... uh, Cecil picks up the TV remote. He's been looking at the TV behind you and unmutes the TV. And uh, a news reporter comes in, uh, you know, as they always do. And says, uh, as we now have an update to our ongoing story from Monica, who is now at the, the, the Vindicator's Lighthouse. Monica, what do you have? Yes, thank you. Um, we just received a statement from the Mantis on the current condition of Neptune. Early last night, Neptune was found wounded in an alleyway from an apparent bullet wound, in, and she's now in critical condition. Uh, the Mantis has said that her condition is stabilizing, and the bullet has been removed, and they are beginning chemical analysis. We will keep everyone up to date in this ongoing story. And immediately, uh, Cecil's phone starts blowing up. And uh, he like is like flipping through messages and says, uh, "I gotta handle this. Listen, stick to the script. Uh, make no statements about this. I gotta run." Right. I'll get changed into my public persona. Good job, kid. And uh, he is heading out. And immediately, your phone starts blowing up as well as your fans are wanting to know what you think about uh, the the ongoing news investigation. So, I think Renard grabs his phone um, and starts scrolling through 
a little bit nervous to respond because, again, don't have a PR-supplied script yet. Although, just check to see if they've written anything for him. And no, they have not yet, I'm assuming. Um, because they're in crisis mode and trying to figure their own stuff out. And waiting to hear what they need to be told. So, I think at this point, um, Bernard is just scrolling through, um, probably liking a few posts. Just to, you know, some of the stuff that's, you know, more along the lines of, like, sympathetic and, you know, uh, very, very much a sense of, like, you know, community. Anything that has very positive vibes, I think he's going through and, like, liking. Um, not necessarily doing a lot of commenting, more just like that read and like mode. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, and we turn the page. And Lilith, where do we find you this morning? I think she's having a pretty chill morning. Um, she is making some pancakes in her apartment and listening to some very, very loud music. And like sliding across the floor in her socks and just kind of hanging out. Wonderful. And we have, or you have, a move as the Reformed that... Uh, you get to roll four whenever time passes. So let's do that. Because as a reformed, you uh you're you have some obligations and unpaid debts to some uh low lives in the city. So go ahead and roll plus your highest obligation. Yeah, so my highest obligation right now is plus two um to Joe Science. Perfect. Go ahead and roll plus two, and we'll see if Joe Science has anything for you. Oh, that's a nine, so... Ooh. On a nine, they call in a favor. <laughs> yes. Cool. So you're, uh, uh, you're blasting some tunes, hanging out, uh, when your phone starts popping off as well. And you have a text message, a uh, series of text messages um, coming into your burner phone from jo one Joseph Science. I, I will read them. Um, yeah. The first one says, uh, did you see the news? New weapon in the city. They're calling it a cape killer. New type of bullets called Excalibur rounds. Find me some. Need them for my newest experiment. She is just going to respond with a series of emojis. I think she does that a lot. Um, so it's going to be like an eye roll emoji and then like a purple heart emoji and then like a salute emoji. Perfect. Amazing. And she'll leave him to interpret that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Cool. And, uh, so we turn the page again as a small page, I guess. Um, we uh, and it's uh, kind of later in the afternoon on the boardwalk. Uh, there's crowds are gathering. People, some people are cheering, some people are uh, you know upset, whatever. Uh, and there's uh, out in the bay, there are lots of different like tugboats and barges with big cranes and lots of diving equipment um 
and like submersibles as they are going around with the big uh, Paragon Bay cleanup. Where is everyone? Where does everyone find themselves as we all kind of, uh, the team kind of proverbially comes together for the first time? I think it makes sense that um, Ren is probably like in a backstage area somewhere, uh, like going over some notes, talking with some of the people who are organizing the event, uh, trying to get a, a sense of like when he's going to go out and make his speech. Also doing that glad handing, shaking hands as probably already touched base with the mayor and their people and gone through and talked to some other, you know, higher city officials kind of things that are present. Um, Mm -hmm. And is really probably just now more or less like waiting in the wings, kind of on like a standby to be announced or to have the signal shot for him to go out and make his presentation to the public. Awesome. Uh, When you met with Mayor G. Georgie Georgeson, he definitely handed you a note card with some additional, um, like, uh, important things he wants you to highlight as you address the crowd. Um, The the word terrorist is underlined three times, and it's spelled in all caps. And then they also, he also wants you to emphasize that you are working with the the UN as a registered hero in an official capacity to clean up after uh, the mess of this dangerous terrorist. And also, uh, yeah, it wants you to, yeah, if not condemn unlawful vigilantism, at least fluff up your um, working with the system uh, instead of against it as an as an example to the youth you know i think renard is looking over the talking points uh, and uh, that he was handed by the mayor and has a whole lot more respect for his pr team because they could actually make this into something that could be smooth and easily incorporated into a speech unlike you know handing someone a card with a three weird phrases scribbled on it in capital letters and underline and going yeah work this in uh, but trying to figure out how to work that in is probably where he is right now. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, wonderful. Uh, where is Gage? So, uh, how big of a crowd has, uh, gathered in this area? Um, as big as it needs to be. How many people do you think are there? Uh, this is just like a cleanup, or is there like a, like a public, um... Oh, yeah, there's a big public presence. There's probably, yeah, lots of volunteers and stuff. I'd say, yeah, there's a few hundred people to a thousand, maybe. I don't know. A lot. Okay, so Gage is standing probably by, like, a nearby jetty, um, far away enough to not be mistaken as someone helping with the cleanup. Uh, but also doesn't want to be seen as an onlooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but enough for him to kind of be there. Uh, he's uh, has his hands in his uh, sweatshirt pockets, uh, hair whipping in the wind, as uh, he has his uh, earbuds in, listening to one of his uh, favorite bands, uh, the White Caped Grooms. <laughs> Amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Um, and uh, cool. Um, and Lilith, where have you uh, found yourself? Um, I think she's just kind of in the midst of people still in her civilian get up. He's just there looking around. Cool, cool. Um, and, uh, where do we find... Is... I'm sorry? Never mind. And, uh, where do we find Gustav the Armored? Gustav the Armored is, uh, probably... Uh, dashing and dancing between alleyways, looking for something to munch on right now. Excellent, excellent. Um, there's quite a few, uh, like food trucks and food stalls that kind of popped up around the event. Um, so there's definitely some delicious smells wafting from that direction. <clears throat> uh, how's, how's Gustav doing this morning? This Just- afternoon, whatever. Gustav spent his uh, late morning enjoying the uh, the rising sun and uh, warming his little shelly belly uh, in its warm, loving rays. And uh, right now, he is going to look for a corn dog stand, and perhaps one will go missing. Excellent. One stand or one corn dog? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Just one corn dog. It's a little more subtle. Gustav is many things. Greedy is not one of them. I think a certain interaction with Vice and Steve and some cookies might um, <laughs> suggest otherwise, but we'll, I'll let you have that one for now. Uh, Gage, a question for you: When you Answer. use your 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 blade force powers, tap into them. What's that? Yeah. What does that feel like to you as you draw into that magic? Uh, it's kind of like a feeling of blinding radiance uh, inside him. Like, uh, if you ever think of the idea of the concentrated power of the sun, but without any of the heat kind of, like, coming through you, like like you become a living light bulb, I would say that's kind of the feeling. Awesome. Um, you feel this twinge. Um, it feels like the blade force you feel this like light this power radiance um starting to not swell within you but but pulse outward from what feels like somewhere deep deep beneath your feet and it causes instead of uh filling you with this uh sort of light it makes your stomach just sink and uh Merlin says, do you feel that? I feel seasick. That's what I feel. You cannot become seasick while standing on land. 
Yeah, well, crazier fucking things have happened, so. Wait, are you telling me whatever is happening is underwater? But Thalassians do live underwater. Uh, I don't have, like, anything for underwater. That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, sure you. So, uh, at this point, I'm going to use my uh, move words of the past. And uh, when you seek the guidance of one of your elders or members of your legacy, tell them a problem you face. Ask them a question about the problem. They will answer it honestly uh, and tell you what to do. Take plus one ongoing if you listen. If you go your own way, mark potential. So, Gage, you go, Marilyn, in all your years of advising Pendragons, I guarantee there's been one or more underwater quests. How did they go underwater? Uh, well, Pendragon the Seventh, uh, he befriended a river Kelpie who enchanted him with a spell. Uh, Pendragon the Fourth, where uh, he was transformed into a toad, so uh, let's see here. Um, oh, Pendragon the Twelfth. Now he he used scuba gear. <laughs> oh, scuba gear, of course. Now, and uh, and uh, yeah, Merlin. Um, He's going to kind of like nod slyly with a tip of his hat and a wink over towards uh, one of the UNHRA kind of stockpiles. And indeed, there is some um, uh, scuba gear that's lightly attended to. Are there any cameras near it? Um, I don't think there are cameras necessarily. Uh, There's just like a, a temporary little uh, like staging area that they've set up. Alright, uh, well, Gage will then walk over, uh, given that he doesn't see many other options, uh, and surely he can repay the, uh, the owner at some point, or repay him in exposure for, uh, being the one credited for allowing him to save the day. Excellent. Excellent. Um, as you are going over to the scuba gear to investigate, we have side-by-side panels of, of Gage with Renard. And uh, Renard, you get a text message from Cecil. And it says, uh, new mission. We're doing the underwater op now. They've detected a... Something uh, radiating, uh, something radioactive deep within the tunnel. Your mission is to investigate, find a sample of whatever it is, and deliver it to me and no one else. Reading over the text message, I think Renard finds the last part of it a little suspicious. Um, It's not an unknown in their relationship, but 
feels weird given the the environment he's in right now because like this is a you know he's in you know glad hand wave to the crowd give a rousing speech mode and mentality and uniform so the idea of uh, now we're doing covert we're having the sudden switch to covert ops feels a little off but eager not to have to give this weird speech with the sudden add-ons provided by the mayor, um, I think he can start making his exit sort of out the back and around and toward the supply cache that he knows is there for him. Excellent. Perfect. Um, And as you approach, you see a kind of thin, lanky kid in a dark purple hoodie. Root around through the scuba gear. I think Renard just walks up, uh, not trying to, you know, be you not know, trying to hide anything. Just literally, just walks straight over and does that, like, reach down and starts pulling things up, and purposely, like, puts his. I think there's a a a, a scene where you can see that he's very physically, like, picked something up and moved it across this person's vision to get them to understand that there is someone else there and is doing something. Um, and really just sort of, like, as a ahem sort of motion of uh, while he's picking up the equipment he needs. Oh, hey, sup, dude. Hello. You're with the cleanup team, is that right? Yeah. Did you arrive late? I thought they had all already gotten their gear. I'm uh, an intern, and uh, they didn't tell me the address, because I guess I was supposed to see it in an email, and uh, I didn't get or read the email, so I was a bit late, yeah. I think Renard finishes gathering up the few pieces of equipment that he needs, a rebreather, light, that sort of thing, and then stops and stares at this person and goes, wait, don't interns send those emails? <laughs> um, yeah, like the other intern. It was his turn to send the email. I think at that point, Renard, with his equipment, you know, attached to his suit, steps back and just sort of stares at this person with a, you want to try that again look? And uh, as he is giving you this look, Gage, there's another twinge in your stomach and radiating pulse of this blade force energy that is much louder this time and more intense and it is in fact accompanied by a small tremor in the ground that everyone feels oh oh all right dude i do not have time to explain but i'm on the side of good and all that and i just need a scuba suit because um would you accept 
destiny? I think when Renard sees um, Gage having this like physical pain, kind of physical reaction, I think his instinct is he immediately sort of grabs and centers him and to keep him upright, worried he's going to fall over, and then stares at him and goes, I'm no stranger to stomach pain and other issues. I understand having them be connected to your powers. You said you're a good guy. Yep. Okay. Can you breathe underwater? Nope. Have you worn scuba gear before? Nope. Then can I help you so you don't die? You know, that would be really great. And, sorry, real quick, Renard, I think you also may have been unintentionally piercing the mask of, of Gage. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was that or sharing a vulnerability or weakness. I wasn't sure which one I was going with. I mean, um, uh, I will ask you, um, were you trying to, uh, you know, kind of connect with him on a personal level uh, by revealing this vulnerability or weakness? Or were you trying to uh, use it as an opportunity to kind of, you know, figure out this kid in front of you and if he really has a great destiny? Etc. Etc. I'm going to go with Renard in this sense because he had just seen someone experiencing pain that was clearly linked to their powers. I think it was. Um, I think he saw it as a bonding opportunity. I think oh. again. I think. I think looking over the options, this feels more like a like share of vulnerability or weakness. Perfect. Perfect. And what is that move or the maid mascot? Oh, let's see. And it is uh, actually whichever one you want to choose. I want to look at that out. <laughs> um, so oh. one of the options is when you share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, ask them what cause they serve. If you find it to be a worthy cause, tell them how you will fight for it, clear a condition, and add team to a pool. If they don't have a cause or you find it unworthy, mark a condition. Wow, that sounds like it is perfectly applicable. So, yeah, I think in that moment of still holding Gage to make sure he's okay and assess, you know, and uh, don't say assess, because um, <laughs> that's a different move. Um, and looking him over, that's how you say that, um, looking him over to make sure he's okay. Um, I, I, I think he's going to ask, again, you're a good guy and you're here on a mission and you have a destiny. Am I right? Yeah, that about sums it up. Okay. Um, and I think that's enough, given the fact that um, Renard already knows something is going on, for him to be like, okay, tentatively to mostly, I'm going to help this guy, and I'm going to trust him. Awesome. I love that. So that means I don't have any conditions, so let's add a team to the pool. Perfect. We now have two teams in the pool. Um, Um, I was going to say, then I think we see Renard sort of going through the gear and actually equipping 
Gage so that he doesn't drown. While doing the same thing to himself. You see him, Gage? Smart, capable, has a plan. Oh, maybe you should have chosen him to be Pendragon. Well, he wasn't the one who pulled out the sword! Yeah, just pull up the sword, whatever. <laughs> Does Gage talk out loud when he has these conversations with Merlin? Yes. <laughs> I think Bernard looks over. Um, earpiece, spirit guide, demon in your head. What's the situation here? I'm so happy you said spirit guide, so I didn't have to, like, make up some bullshit. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, spirit guide. Okay. I figured it was something along those lines, because... I mean, imaginary friend was number four, but that's an awkward one to ask somebody. Um, Sometimes I wish he was imaginary. Is, is Dave revealing a vulnerability or weakness right now? Uh, no, it, it was more of a snide remark than, uh, cool. vulnerability. Uh, check. I think one thing that, during the conversation that Renard does, is he very subtly, but make sure that Gage can see, taps his ear to signal that he has an earpiece. Just to let him know that, um, some of this could be being overheard. Hmm. Um, you're not far sick, are you? No. Um, officially, to borrow the mayor's uh, statement he wanted me to read earlier, I am an officially licensed and marketed hero for the um, UNHRA, the people hosting the event. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't follow uh, that kind of stuff, but if you're a licensed hero, then um, that means that's less pressure on me if Farsic comes knocking on my door. So, thanks, Machacho. I'm familiar with Farsec. I We've worked with them in the past. Um, to my knowledge, they aren't at the event. Yet. Sweet. I don't like how you said yet, but I'm just going to ignore that. It's one of my favorite words. I tend to use it a lot. Amazing. All right. So uh, before I uh, hurl inside this uh, diving suit, shall we uh, dive into the depths of whatever... Given that we don't have a boat, we're probably going to walk in and then slowly swim out and then start swimming down. You okay. follow my lead. Do you yep. know how to swim? I know how to swim. Okay, that's going to make this easier on both of us. Because carrying people underwater is hard. I'm only like 130 pounds. Okay, then in that case, if you get into trouble... Uh, just reach out and grab onto me and I'll, and then signal if you want to go up 
or down, okay? All right, it will if I'm not unconscious. If you're unconscious, I'll try to help you up. All right, sounds like a plan to me. Sweet. Let's go. uh, We get an awesome uh, hero shot of Gage in his uh, kind of big UNHRA branded diving suit. Um, And uh, Renard with his uh, little more sleek outfit and his rebreather as they uh, stride out into the bay. Lilith, what did you. What is your reaction to feeling this tremor from deep within the earth uh, that everyone around you also definitely noticed? Yeah, I think... So she came down to the beach for a reason and then immediately forgot what it was because she discovered sea glass and has just been, like, running around the beach collecting that. Mm-hmm. Um... And then there's this tremor, and she's just thinking back through her head about, like, all the scary stories she was told as a child about, like, the end times. And I think now she's just kind of sitting on the the beach with her collection of sea glass, thinking about that. Cool. Perhaps near a certain corndog stand. Um, yeah, I think, uh, during the distraction was probably when Gustav, uh, took advantage of a lapse in everyone's attention, but, uh, perhaps Lilith, uh, a little more sly. Um. You, um... Also, get a text message um, from uh, everyone's favorite Joe Science. <laughs> says um, new information: bullets are made underwater. Follow the earthquakes. Um, she's going to text him back. Just to verify that he doesn't think this is an end of times thing. Um, he responds, no, but I am working on that. She's going to send him a thumbs up. <laughs> Excellent. She doesn't know about scuba gear. She's going to make herself a glass boat. Awesome. And, and, and just start headed out. Awesome. So she'll figure out the getting underwater part later, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a problem for future Lilith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Gustav, you notice um, a group of people now moving into the water as you are munching on your corn dog. Oh. In including uh, what appears to be a... Have you... Yeah, you've met Lilith before. Hey, I know oh. that lady. Yeah, you can shout her hang out. I will... Uh, I shall go towards the boat. Wonderful. 
turtle my way that way. Cool. Uh, and uh, the next page is a big two-page spread of beneath uh, Paragon Bay. Uh, just a wide shot of all like the anchor lines from the boats and divers and cranes and silhouettes of the boats on the surface and fish swimming around and deep, deep down near the bottom, it's this glowing cave. It's emitting this eerie kind of greenish blue light. Um, and, uh, where is uh where is everyone in this uh this big splash page? I mean if uh fundraiser is okay with it, I think a good like far shot of uh Gage and uh Renard uh swimming their way over there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think by this point we're underwater. And probably with a little bit of navigation assistance in some kind of heads up display, seeing, you know, making our way very directly toward the um, the cave entrance and the source of the weird light. Excellent. And uh, where's Shatter in this, this scene? She is in a glass boat <laughs> on the surface. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we see, yeah, the beautiful prisms of light reflecting down. And uh, Gustav, you are. Gustav is inching his way towards the glass boat. Cool. And uh, yeah, as you are swimming towards this glass boat, you do notice the shapes of uh, Renard and Gage as they swim towards this strange radioactive tunnel that you discovered some time ago. Cool. So, Gustav, you reached the, the glass boat. I knock on the side of it. Oh my goodness, Gustav! What are you doing out here? And hello! Well, as you can see, I'm on a boat. I'm like trying to find out where that weird uh, little little earth shake thing came from. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it came from the earth. You are so right. I have some corn dog too. You want some? Mm-hmm. Is it like wet? Um. Yeah. No, that, that's okay. I'll like wait till later. Okay. But thank you for offering. This corn dog. Awesome. How come you're out here in the water looking for an earthquake? Well, like, I don't understand these things very well, but, like, I guess it came from under the water because there's, like, ground under the water, you know? Yeah. There's fish, too. And seaweed. Nice long crab ones. Do do, do you think they, like, are responsible for the earthquake? I don't know, maybe. There's a weird hole pretty close to here. Like, 
how, like, what kind of weird. Well, it's big, and the water's really spicy around it. It kind of hurts to blink. Mm, yeah, see. I, I, I'm, like, personally more concerned about the spicy water, because, like, there are a lot of holes that are pretty big in, in various places around the Earth, but, like, spicy water, that's kind of weird, don't you think? Well, I mean, like, it, it, it doesn't feel great. Like, it's all up in your sinuses, and, uh, it, it's bright down there. Ooh, yeah, like, see, that, that also seems weird to me. I don't know a lot about the ocean, but I don't, I don't think it's usually, like, very bright down there. Nah, it's usually pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. Like, every, everything you're describing to me sounds like it's, like, maybe a little bit weird, you know? When you put it that way, I don't know if it's a little bit. That's kind of that's kind of off the hook. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna go check it out. I'm looking for some magic bullets. Do you know anything about that? Um, like is that like like spells and whatnot. I don't know. Are they are they for a magic gun? I don't know. They're I mean, just like special, I guess. I was gonna say. To be honest, of, I wasn't given like very good instructions. Well, I was gonna say, what kind of weirdo uses a regular gun to shoot magic bullets? <laughs> that does seem like it would be like a waste. It's like it's like burger without ham. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I wasn't I wasn't told to find a magic gun, just like a magic bullet. There might be magic bullets down at that hole. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Wait, which way did you say that hole was again? Uh, it's down over that way. You might have to use your boat four more knots and then uh it's going to be down like um I'm not good with distances, heights. Um, you're going to swim till it starts getting really dark, and then it'll get real bright. Oh, okay. Well, like, I'm going to go that way. I guess if you want to come with me, that would be cool. But if, if not, like, I don't, I don't want you to hurt your sinuses, you know? I mean, it, it's like... Not... Not... Not painful. Like, you ever get like salt up your nose? And like it kind of, it's not great, but it doesn't really hurt. But it really, really doesn't feel great. Yes. It's like that. Yeah, it was like one, one time this guy, Joe Magic, he had this summoning circle. It went so poorly, and I totally get what you mean. Did you just say his name was Joe Magic? Yes. Did, uh, does he have magic bullets? No, he's the, he's like the one who wants them. Is it because his be. name's on it? Are they his Probably. bullets? Probably. I don't know. It's, it's not actually his real name. I I was kind of hoping not, because that's, that's really kind of a dumb name. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like this whole thing. If you, if you want to like get in the boat, I can tell you on the way to the, the special hole. Okay. 
Wonderful. Um, how are you going to make your way underwater, Lilith? I am curious. <laughs> how, how deep is how deep are we going? Um, I mean, we're. I mean, we're in scuba gear, so the assumption is it's only Mark Forty. I mean, deep enough that holding your breath the whole time probably isn't going to be fun. No, no, no. I'm not worried about that. Okay. I I think when she gets in proximity, she is going to make this, like, glass... She's going to turn her boat into sort of a glass bubble with, like, a very long tube that will stay above water to let in air. So it's like the concept of a snorkel. Does mm-hmm. this make any sense what I'm describing? <laughs> I'm picturing like a flask almost. You know what I mean? Like you have that very like you have a tube you pour, you know, like those like yeah. rounded. Yeah, but it's it's like a really long it's like a really long straw leading down to the glass bubble. You gotta get in the flask. Because <laughs> uh, funny enough, in my notes, I was like, "How is Shatter gonna get down here?" I was like, "Oh." A glass sphere diving bell. Yeah, that'll work. Um, I was like, how does she solve this problem? (laughs) It sounds like a shatter problem. If you have a big rock, it'll be quick. (laughs) I mean, you just hold it, you go right there. It's it's the damnedest thing. I'm going to be awkward. That would be, like, really bad for my sinuses. Because, like, I, I can't breathe water. I mean, I can't. Just hold your breath. I, I think you, like, might be better at that than I am. How, how long can you hold like, your breath? Uh, no, not, not that long. And if I'm being, like, totally honest, I don't really want to get all wet either. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's cold out, that sucks sometimes. Yeah, like, I, I just, I don't love what seawater does to my hair, you know? Well, maybe you don't know. Um, I can't say that I do. Yeah, it, it just, it would be such a mess, and I don't want to have to deal with it. I'm, I'm just going to do it this way. That's okay with you. I mean, I, I am not your keeper. You can do uh, whatever you want. I'm not a cop. <laughs> um, go ahead and roll to unleash your powers, Lilith. Okay, good. Make yourself a diving flask. First roll, first roll. I can't see how this could possibly go wrong. Well, it's a seven. Okay, okay. Excellent, excellent. That is a hit. Uh, On a seven to nine, you can choose to mark a condition, or I can tell you how it's unstable or temporary. I am going to be honest, I don't want this to be unstable or temporary. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, Um, that seems wise. I'm going to mark afraid because I think she is maybe questioning a little bit what she is doing here and whether or not it's a good idea. I think she also has some concerns. How how do you feel about double atmospheric pressures? Um, awesome. So you are able to make a, uh, 
this kind of glass diving device with a, an air snorkel um, and maneuver it down uh, all the way into this uh, glowing chasm. And uh, it looks very like bright and this has this glowing greenish blue uh, like seams in the rock uh, marbled throughout the cave and there's uh, yeah just this glowing energy kind of iridescence in the water as you make your way through um, further ahead at the end of this tunnel uh, Gage and Renard you have emerged uh, the tunnel uh, yeah, emerges in a little air pocket, an underwater cave system. Uh, it's been carved out to look like this magnificent, beautiful temple. Um, can't really, it doesn't really resemble any, uh, like ancient architecture style that either of you really recognize. Um, and, uh, yeah, you discover this giant temple in this cavern. What do you do? I think um, Renard, after you know, sort of sliding down the mask scuba rebreather system, he has down to sort of cover like it, it. His mask in general, when he has his costume on, can it's just one of those that like covers the nose and mouth and leaves the mm-hmm. eyes exposed. Um, I think what it does is it slides down and sort of almost like adds like an extra like kind of protective layer over like the center of his chest. Um, I think he looks at Gage and looks around and goes, you mentioned destiny. This architecture screams destiny to me. Where are we? Now I'm, Really glad this lines up with the whole destiny thing, because I'm kind of running on the seat of my pants here. Um, if I had to guess, this is probably a Thalassian temple. He does listen! Uh, sometimes, I guess. Thalassian. Yeah, you know, Merfolk, Siren, Selkies, Kelpie, yeah, not really Kelpies. Um, you know, all the sort of humanoid water people of legends, they're, they're Thalassians. Okay, and this is Thalassian architecture? I, I would presume so. I haven't seen it in person. Does you indeed presume correctly. Uh, Merlin says I'm correct. Merlin is the name of your spirit guide? Yeah, friend? yeah. Like, the Merlin, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big Arthurian fan. Um, but I think I know the name. Is your spirit guide friend? Okay, so where to next? And with that, there is a thunderous clang that rings through the cavern. And uh, this time, the wave of blade force energy uh, just hits you like a truck gauge. <clears throat> he just doubles over. 
Um, you know, I'm just going to trust my gut here and uh, just points like deeper into the cavern. I think again on the page, Renard has like immediately positioned himself to like kind of that like crouch hold when someone doubles over, um, and is in that, and you know is just sort of doing like does the glance to sort of look at the direction Gage is pointing in, but is also like very also intently focused on Gage and is like, is this a raise you up or are we sitting down situation? Oh, I I got it. Uh, Nothing uh, a Chipotle binge hasn't trained me for. To which I think then what we have is Renard, you know, helping him up and kind of with that, like, hand, not really on the back, but, like, right there, you know what I mean? Like, just off, kind of guiding them down toward the bright noise. And then he says, I know about Chipotle's. We had those back east where I'm from. Have you ever heard of a Caravan James? I know you guys have them out this way. (laughs) Yeah, um... They're in the news a lot, unfortunately. I I don't know why it's kind of a constant target for villains. I mean, I guess the food's overpriced, so it it might have more stock value to it. Oh, yeah, that's tends to be how I that's how I first learned about it. And then I went on the website and was on that for a little while on the flight um, when I was coming in to set up the new headquarters. So, are they good, or is it just overpriced? Um, gonna be honest with you here, I do not really buy from them, not for any other reason besides, uh, my, my diet is pretty limited to things that, um, I can buy from online sites. Okay, I was just wondering if you wanted to maybe go check one out after all this. I mean, maybe, if you want to pay for it. Yeah, that's not a problem. I can pay. That's That's sweet. Yeah, that's great. Look, if you're going to buy me food, I'll be your best friend. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I was just hoping to have somebody to go check one out with. But yeah, I have no problem uh, buying. That's, yeah, I... Yeah, the H, the UNHRA pays pretty well. So one of the one of the perks to the whole licensed, marketed, approved superhero thing is payroll. Yeah, um, and I know I said that I've never been to a caravan, James. So uh, if they say that I look like that guy who ate all their free samples um, on multiple occasions, I'm not that guy. I get that. Sweet. People look at me and think I'm somebody. I mean, I usually am that person because my face is on all the like posters and handouts and flyers and, you know, brochures and that kind of stuff for a bunch of different organizations. But I do totally get that when people point at you and go, oh, you're that guy. I, I, I feel you on that one. Cool. Cool. And uh, it's just because there's a thought bubble that just says, Great, he doesn't know I'm that guy. (laughs) 
And I think we're walking and talking here, right? Because that this feels like yeah. a walk and talk kind of conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Good. Um, for sure. And uh, so you are now approaching uh, this kind of the back of the cavern area, and um, you are able to see kind of into the the center of the temple complex, and there's this kind of uh round oblong pedestal the like wide kind of raised stage platform and then on top of it is this very simple but elegant forge and uh there's a what appears to be uh, a young man uh standing at the forge uh and raised above his head is this giant uh flaming hammer uh, is just glowing with with radiant light, um, as he winds up to swing it back down onto, uh, what appears to be an ingot of this same like mysterious blue green uh mineral that is uh woven throughout the caverns. Uh. The hammer slams down, and there's another wave of blade force energy. And uh, this ingot, uh, there's this uh, radiating kind of whoosh of flames from the top of this anvil. Where the ingot was, there is now a row of six blue-green bullets. And he kind of sweeps those into a box off to the side and wipes his head. And uh, reaches for another ingot. Oh, is this still underwater? This is this is not underwater. You guys have kind of come out into this air pocket, and it's like a it's like Atlantis, you know. It's not okay. like that big, but that concept. Um, but yeah, just like it's uh, yeah, big enough under like a big open air underwater cavern that the Thalassians have carved this uh, temple slash forge into. All right. So yeah, at that, uh, Gage would uh, step in and take his uh, helmet off so he could finally breathe. And you know, hey, um, dude, wh- wh- what are you doing? Uh, I'm here to represent uh, Pendragon and whatnot, and I really don't want to have to be Pendragon. So can we just like stop? Um, and this, this kid whirls around and, like, points the hammer straight at you and, uh, says, stay back! Mmm, this sounds like it's not gonna go the easy way. Um, what are you doing? Why are you doing? Uh, I guess I should ask, how are you doing it? Not how are you doing, because I, I don't really care about that. Thanks. You're welcome. What? I'm I'm uh, making the bullets as fast as I can, man. He, I'll, I'll get him to him soon. I like I'm, I'm I can't work any faster. Just, just I'm I'm doing my best to meet his quotas. Why, why did he send you here? Uh, okay, so this seems like a great opportunity to use my move, uh, change sides. 
So when you mislead or trick an enemy to pretend uh, to be on their side, roll plus danger. On a hit, they buy your uh, charade for now. On a 7 to 9, choose 1. On a 10 plus, choose 2. And I'll go over those options after I roll. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Go ahead and make that roll plus danger. And uh, how do you um, mislead this this young man wielding the famous hammer of Hephaestus that was once wielded by uh, Forge Master? Yeah, um, I'm really, you know, sorry to put on this pressure, but we need to, like, up the quota. And uh, I was kind of sent as the middle guy to relay this because, you know, it's such a hassle to get here. And he's, he's a busy guy, as you know. He got us uh, doing all the kind of low work. But I assure you, like, as long as we just, you know, double production... I think you'll be fine. Ooh. Go ahead and make that roll. Right. That is a 12. Yeah. Okay. So you get to pick. Um, was it two or three from this list? So two options. So uh, you either avoid having to provide concrete evidence, you create an opportunity, and you expose a weakness or flaw. So I'm going to uh, avoid having to provide concrete evidence and expose a weakness or flaw. Awesome. So this kid, his heart just kind of sinks at this, um, this demand. And uh, you can tell that he has been working his ass off down here. And whoever has is pressuring him in whatever way has uh, been pushing him to the limit. And he is like just at his, he, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's not doing so hot. Um, he's not thinking clearly. He's uh, very upset. And this has pushed him not over the edge, but definitely towards it. Um, and he is just kind of like, look, I can't, I'm literally working all day and all night. Look, tell the weaponsmith, I'll get him his bullets as fast as I can, but I can't, I'm not going to tell him, I, I can't get him any, just, look, I, I'm doing the best I can. I can't forge any faster than this hammer can make things. And if you want to try and like do it yourself, you can pull the damn thing out of the blade force yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he is, um, just kind of in a meta sense, he's uh, yeah, very emotionally vulnerable right now. Is his kind of his weakness? Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. Can, can you just like hand me the hammer? I don't think we have to do the whole blade force thing. And then I can just do do a, a bit of it. You know, fresh set of hands. Uh, I can I can forge. Yeah. I can't just hand you the hammer. It's not how this works. It's not like I I pull it out of the blade force. Only a blade force wielder can use it. I thought I explained that to you. Yeah, I mean I can I can wield it, but um I I, I just can't Yeah, I'm not really uh uh 
a conventional blade force user. You, you know what? How about I'll supervise you and uh, make sure that you don't pass out. And um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And this kid kind of glares at you suspiciously and moves back to his forge. Um, meanwhile, Gustav and Lilith, you have made your way into this air pocket and uh, your glass diving flask is uh, in great shape and uh, will be there waiting for you when you return um, to take you back up to the surface. Well, that's uh, great. Yes. Um, and uh, but as you arrive, you've heard this, been overhearing this conversation uh, that kind of started as muffled voices, but got a little louder as you moved towards them. Uh, what are you two up to right now? What is your plan? Um, I think she is going to try and sneak up to get a like she it sounds like this is where the bullets she's looking for are um, but she kind of wants to get in where she can actually see them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without being Notice how tall is this cavern? Um, pretty tall. Like, I don't know, 15 foot vaulted, yeah, carved out, finely decorated. Yeah, I think she's going to use a little glass disc to float herself up so she can get a better vantage point of the room. Okay. Um, It sounds like you might be assessing the situation. It does sound like that. Why don't you go ahead and give us that roll plus superior? Oh, wow. That is an 11. Wonderful. (laughs) Your Eden is showing. (laughs) I know. I was... Thinking I might fail and assess the situation for once, but uh, it was not to be. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so you get to ask two from the following list. What here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is in the greatest danger? Who here is most vulnerable to me? How can I best end this quickly? I think I want to ask what here is the biggest threat. The biggest threat right now is the hammer itself. Just looking at the way it can just, like, in a single blow, completely transform uh, an ingot of metal into a fully manufactured bullet. And every time it does, it releases this powerful, earth-shattering boom. Uh, and you can, yeah, uh, it is, you, you can very easily tell that this is way, way more power and magic than probably any one person should wield, much less a kid, 
much less a kid who is tired and wrung out. Can she see where the bullets are? Um, yeah, he's uh, he's dropping them into uh, like a crate. Yeah, near the fort, or yeah, near the anvil. Yeah, if that's something that's pretty obvious, then I think maybe my second question is going to be how could we best end this quickly? And I, I think to maybe give a little clarity what, to what she's thinking of by ending this, she that's, does want... That's going to be my next question, yeah. <laughs> um, she does want to get her bullet, um, but she's also now sensing that there's a situation that uh, should not continue uninterrupted. So I think she would like to get what she came for, but also um, halt production, as it were. Uh, probably the quickest way to do that would be to just KO this kid before he can react. And then you can grab your bullet and, uh, like, get him out of there and slash, like, away from the hammer, um, and kind of figure things out from there. Okay. There's also these two other, um... Appear to be enforcers for whoever is uh, coercing this this kid to to make these bullets. One you would recognize uh, from that fiddling con up in the north that happened uh, a bit ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she uh, would recognize him, wouldn't she? Oh yeah. Um, would either of them recognize Renard, who has that? Very recognizable because it's on TV, magazine, billboard, um, pamphlets, posters. Oh, yeah. Face. He's been on tons of commercials and stuff. They've been yeah. doing a media blitz. Yeah. Morning uh, talk shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably probably recognize both of them. I would say unless you you have been like avoiding media, you probably recognize Bernard. Um. I'll say she recognizes him. She's not consumed a whole lot of media, so she maybe is less familiar with him than some people might be, but I'll say she's at least, like, seen him around. Um, I'm just going to give influence to Gage, because that makes sense to me. Awesome. Yeah. Um, That's my character sheet. (laughs) Yeah, because you two... um, Met at VillainCon? What we established? Oh, just what? the Gage has influence over Lilith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was just uh, a little bit more into the, trying to dig a little bit more into the backstory. What was, what was that like at VillainCon? Just a, a real quick. Uh, I think it was um, both of them were there for their dads. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. And. Uh, Gage, if remember what uh, we talked about, Gage was the most normal guy there because he was just uh, Sir Sinister's glorified IT guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, was, I think they struck up a little conversation. And cool, cool. It's kind of nice. Cool. So you guys, yeah, would definitely recognize each other. That makes sense. Lilith does look. Like, I think he'd still recognize her. She does look pretty substantially different now than she did then. 
her hair's a little shorter and a little bluer. And she wears makeup now and dresses a little differently, but um okay. What am I doing? <laughs> um, I don't know. Why don't you think about that and we'll check into the goose stop really quick. What have you Thank been you. doing since you arrived in this cave? <laughs> so we have two guys over there and one guy with a hammer. Correct. Making some stuff. Yes. And uh, I don't know does the if, hammer give off any weird vibes? Um, it is definitely powerfully magic and very, very old. Sparkly and old, but other than that, nothing, nothing spooky-ooky. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. From where I stand, and uh, considering how tall I am, I don't know if I don't know if we're just behind everyone or just hiding off to the side or whatevs. Um, would I be able to see that he was indeed making uh, making these bullets? Yes. Do they give off any spooky ooky vibes? Um. They are um, not by themselves, other than they make you feel uneasy for some reason. Uh, just being made by whatever this super rare uh, material or, yeah, whatever is being harvested and processed here. Um, and if like the have you been had would Gustav be paying attention to the news at all? Because the news this morning has the headline is about his his good friend Neptune. I don't know if he would have necessarily been paying attention to uh, societal news, but he does know that it's very odd that Neptune isn't within easy underwater shouting distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is very much so not um, not normal. But I believe it's also possible that he overheard it during the uh, during the corn dog ectomy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Removing the corn dog from the the corn dog stand, liberating it as it were. I think uh, Gustav is gonna walk right up to the uh, to Jan's yeah. myth. Yeah. Hello. Just, holy shit! What now? Um. And yeah, a diminutive Danny DeVito-sized uh humanoid turtle strides into the room. What you got there? The kid is looking at Gustav, and then back to Renard, and then over at Gage, and then back at Gustav. Can I see one of those? Or, yeah, or uh, Gage and or Renard reacting at all. Oh. Look. A 
Thalassian. What? I ain't even looked at another man like that before. That's not what a Thalassian looks like. I know, Marilyn. I actually do not know what that is. I haven't seen a creature like it before. You're not making me feel any more confident, so I'm just going to pretend so my teenage mind can comprehend what I am seeing outside of what I can imagine from an 80s cartoon. The last ones look a lot more like a, a classical interpretation of a I know what black Thalassians look like. I just like look up as my voice like echoes through the cave. Just, uh, hey. Just enforcing here. And he just like stands stiff like he wasn't just talking to an old man in his head. I think Lilith is going... I, I imagine everyone's a little preoccupied with... Um, there's now a turtle, and also Gage is talking to himself. I just feel like that's where the attention is. And I um, think Lilith is... That checks out. ...going to use this opportunity to... Um, ...find a bullet and, you know, kind of wrap it in a little glass encasing, and then like, float it over to herself. Um, I think that is totally within your power set. I think if you want to do it without anyone noticing, I will have to ask you to unleash your powers. I would love to unleash my powers. Awesome. Go ahead and give us a roll plus freak. That's an 11. Boom. Rolling. Uh, yeah. You pocket one of those, and no one is the wiser. This excellent excels at petty theft. <laughs> True facts. That's all I'm doing for now. Like I'm gonna let whatever is going on on the ground continue nice. for a bit. <laughs> excellent. You have your bullet. I do. So one of two objectives achieved, but I'm. I'm kind of intrigued also by what's going on. She doesn't remember Gage talking to himself this much. Yeah, I guess you can look at a bullet. I gotta get back to work. Look, are you guys, like, just gonna cure to harass me? Because I, like, work a lot faster. I wasn't, you know, under so much pressure. There weren't so many distractions. Um... I, uh, I didn't think that it would bother you. Is there, uh, is there anything you want to talk about? Nah, I would like to, I would like to comfort or support this, uh... Ooh! Wow. Gustav, opening up to someone. Go ahead and give us a roll plus mundane. Here's my mundane. Ooh. We have here that is a five plus a one plus a zero for a six total. Okay. Is there a way that Bernard could add some team to that to bump it up to a seven? Absolutely. There is two team in the pool. Hmm. So I think what 
Renard is going to do is he's going to move and kind of stand um, next to Gustav and just very kind of subtly and kind of quietly whisper to him, um, magic, mad science, or alternate evolutionary pathway? Huh? And then while looking at the the kid with the, um, the hammer, be like, we understand that you are doing your job. We're here, and I point over to Gage to ensure that you aren't interrupted. We just wanted to introduce ourselves and let you know we were here. The, this person next to me is someone who has also been asked to come in and just assess your you know your 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 physical and mental needs just to make sure that you're not being overtaxed. It's, I'm a person. Yes. This person right here next to me is just here um they're also they're brought in as part of a consultation system that we're that we're all part of um again just to make sure that you're working under we understand stressful but the best available conditions because we understand that that's going to affect the quality of the work at the end of the day that's what we're all very concerned about do you want a corn dog i forgot i had a second one it's not even wet Bernard kind of glances at the person next to him and it's like, okay, thought bubble. Pick up um, at any time now. Um, the kid reaches out and grabs the corn dog without saying anything. Um, says, uh, look, I can't tell if you guys are being honest or if you're just shitting with me, but whatever it is, like, it's a pretty weird way to treat someone you're blackmailing. Look, I just, I don't care what the weaponsmith sent you here for. I don't really care what you want. Just leave me alone. I'll make the bullets and I'll do what he says. And then I'm just going to get the hell out of here. All right. Can I take one of those? Sh sure. I think it that nice. Renard does kind of raise an eyebrow and turn and kind of stare at Gustav with a trying to get the intention along and maybe this is a provoke, but of you're not leaving with that. This thing is huge. Are you hunting walrus? Didn't you see the news? The weaponsmith shot Neptune with one of those. Oh God, that's uh, that's uh, that's kind of rude. Yeah, while well, he's selling him on the black market, the exclusive provider, thanks to me. Have you uh, do you have any other guys here in your shop uh, producing any of this for you? I'm the only one who can wield the hammer. Are you being treated fairly? Dude, you're fucking blackmailing me. What do you think? I'm not blackmailing you. I just gave you a corn dog. No, I'm being blackmailed. <laughs> no, I give you a corn dog. I mean, 
it seems here that, if I understand correctly, in order to blackmail someone, they have to have uh, some sort of compromise, some sort of information that you don't necessarily want anyone else to know, correct? In order to force you to do something that you don't want to do. Um, he's just going to kind of shake his head and turn back to the forge and hammer yeah. down another ingot. It, it seems to me, since you possess the, uh, the means of production of these, and it seems that you have the only qualifications, you should be able to negotiate some sort of a fair business practice. Like corndog bricks. Look, just just in over my head, alright? I think that Lilith would like to provoke him. <laughs> um, um, yeah. How is, yeah. How do, how yeah. do you make him, how, how is he susceptible to your words? Oh, I guess he's not. I mean, I, I can tell you, I can tell you what I was thinking about doing yeah. and you can tell you me how to proceed from there. Yeah, 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 go for it. I think she would like him to drop the hammer um, because that, he, he seems like he's going to be less of a problem if we can separate him from the hammer, especially where there are other people here that, I don't know, might pick up the hammer or do something about it. Um, she is going to take a little shard of glass and, like, use it to cut his hand, hoping that'll get him to draw. Like, just surprise, like, he wouldn't, I imagine, even know where that came from, but Ooh, that's what that, she would like to do. That might be more of an unleash your powers. Okay. Than a provoke someone. Yeah, I was just thinking, because, like, the actual power, like, that's, I don't, to me, not, like, a huge stretch of her powers. It's more about, like, is it actually going to have the effect she wants? Okay, uh, I mean, like, yeah, uh, yeah, provoke some is more with your words, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Is what I'm kind of, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to argue this on this one that hard with you. My freak is higher than my superior anyway. Sure, sure. Word. That checks out. <laughs> I, I would be happy to unleash my powers again. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, go ahead and uh, roll plus freak again. You've been doing pretty well. Why not? That is a 10. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, this shard of glass just kind of like it cuts the outside of his hand and he yells and drops the hammer and it hits the ground with a thunderous boom <clears throat> and the earth begins to like crack and shift as this uh almost like humanoid shape seems to start to rise out of the earth and the kid is just like what the fuck can you know um can renard assess the situation absolutely go right ahead all right first time ever rolling in a masks game this is gonna have to Woo! go really well right you know problem, no plus superior Roll plus superior this. Uh, cheat sheet that says my superior. Alright, superior is a plus one. So, it is a two 
and a one to make three, plus one to make a four. On my Ooh. assess the situation roll. Apparently, um, Renard is very overwhelmed by the um, earth-shaking events around him. Uh, yeah, I think, um, uh, well, you do get to mark potential, which is great. So there is an upside. Um, First potential of a Masks game ever. Boom, there right you now. go. <laughs> Celebrating first potential. Yay. I mean, yeah, there is an upside to, to missing rolls. Exactly. I get that sweet potential somehow. Yep. Um, and yeah, Renard is a little preoccupied with this sort of like almost golem or construct like uh, thing, uh, like humanoid creature shape that's rising out of the ground as the kid is turning towards everyone and just shouting, why won't you leave me alone? And this his anger has kind of become manifest in this uh, humanoid elemental shape that is created. <laughs> I gave you a corn dog. <laughs> um yeah what is Gage doing so is he summoning or turning into this elemental uh he's summoning this elemental great uh at this point Gage would just go why does those have to be place where there's no tech alright by the power of Camelot, I summon the, and you guys can just see a ripple as uh, Gage begins to pull this blade out from thin air, and as it shines bright into radiance, and this like golden uh, aura covers him as it fades, you see uh, Gage no longer in his um, outfit, but now in a tabard and this armored half-mask as he's wielding this brilliant uh, sword. Excalibur! Boom. And uh, this immediately grabs the attention of this kid. And um, yeah, this golem starts lumbering forward and is going to take a swing at the first person it finds. Um, and I believe our team might be coming together to face a dangerous foe. So, let's do that real quick. So, when we enter battle against a dangerous foe, add two teams to the pool. So, we are back up to three. Who is the leader of this team? Moonflap! Oh, damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> looks over, uh, I think Renard looks over at Gustav and goes, who? Wait, who were you? Wait, what was that name you were gonna say? Um, don't worry about it. Let's uh, let's figure out who's uh, leading this team right now. <laughs> who does Gage think is leading the team? Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, the turtle guy is the ki- is the one who tipped him over the edge. It's the turtle guy's problem. So, uh, turtle guy. Okay. Um, what about Renard? Uh, I think Renard is, you know, this again, since they've 
come down to the mouth of the cave and gone inside and found all this sort of mystical, magical destiny stuff. Um, plus the fact that Gage just underwent magical transformation. My uh, Bernard is going to go with Gage being the leader. This is okay. his. This is this is his genre that we're in now. So. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, how do you, Gustav and Lilith feel about the leadership situation? Ladies first. <laughs> um, I think Lilith thinks that Gage is in charge because he did just do like a magical transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's the hottest one there. So combine those two facts. The objective science determines that he's the leader. Mm-hmm. How does how does Gustav feel about it? Robot or knife to a hammer fight. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll go with Gage. Cool, Gage. It sounds like you are it. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't think Pressure. you're the leader, but everyone else does. Um, you have influence over your uh your other teammates. Uh, I have influence over Shatter, and that's it. Okay. What is your purpose in this fight? Uh, get the hammer. Get the hammer. Um, what is your purpose in this fight, Renard? I think Renard's purpose in this fight is to... Uh, his mission is to figure out what is going on and collect any unusual items found and turn them over to uh, the UNHRA. Cool. I think that could technically fall under the, the get the hammer category. Well, uh, well I was going to say the problem well, with that is, is that UNHRA. Yeah, that's a... if Gage's goal is get the hammer and Bernard's goal is get the hammer. There's only one hammer. <laughs> That could cause conflict later on down the line. I I think you are right there. Uh, Sounds like I think it still counts for the purposes of team mechanics. Okay. What is is Gustav and Lilith? Uh, What are their purposes in this fight? She wants to stop the magic bullet production. Okay. I think uh, I think that is a noble goal. Cool. Especially if one of these has uh, taken out Neptune. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't. I'm leaning towards probably not aligned on goals. Or I mean, driving the hammer would technically stop production. We must seize the means of production. (laughs) Well, actually, seizing the means of production is probably also technically part of the mission that Bernard has, because, again, anything unusual found under in the situation is supposed to be turned over, which, in this case, I'm going with the guy who can make magic bullets is unusual. Cool, cool, cool. So, arrest in the sense of seize the means of production, yes. I mean, um, in certain arrests, they do scream, seize that man. Yeah, seize him is a very, you know, again, genre, you know, it's a very classic genre phrase. And I mean, 
Gustav sees the hammer hit the floor, so ergo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, no, right I'll give it to you, whatever. <laughs> no, I have to. Oh, actually, I was arguing against that. I know, actually, the whole, my whole thing was I was arguing against, but okay. Uh, whichever is fine. Uh, I, I think we're, I, I think, that's why I was like, I think technically we're more of an against each other in this situation. Yeah, I think I think it's uh it's a little more flavorful if we're not immediately all magically yeah. aligned to the yeah cool cool all yeah. right so team has great yeah, team yeah. work already mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right there's still three team in the pool um <laughs> does anyone mistrust anyone else on the team um since Renard and I assume Gage isn't aware of Shatter. I'm not sure if you can trust someone you're not aware of. Um, but I you mean, can't just mistrust them either. <laughs> also, and, and again, these questions are more in kind of like a meta sense, like in general. I, and also, this turtle person seems very nice, mm-hmm. apparently travels with corn dogs. But is also an unknown. Um, That's so, true. Again, and Renard is trying to figure out, is this magic? Is this mad science? Or is this alternate evolutionary path um, that is standing next to him? So, curiosity and stranger danger probably combined to be mistrust? No, that's that's fair. Okay. And uh, also, hey. I mean, who trusts celebrities, really? I mean... That, that's also very fair. Gage, do you mistrust anyone on the team? Um, I, I'm gonna say he doesn't really know what Gustav is up to. Uh, he's not a Thalassian, which concerns him. So uh, I would say there's a mild distrust with uh, with Gustav. Cool. I think cool. technically I'm more of a I'm more of a Virgo Aries rising. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lilith, do you do you mistrust anyone? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, and what about Gustav? I trust everyone knows their uh, their immediate place in the universe. Wonderful. Um, so there is some mistrust on the team, uh, so we will remove a team from the pool unless the leader of the team, Gage, would like to mark a condition. Oh. I... One one hand, I think flying in with almost no team is uh, pretty fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to... Mark, probably angry here, and it's less uh, anger in the traditional sense, but more uh, he is now blinded by righteousness. Mm-hmm. Okay, that checks out. Awesome. So you still have three team in the pool, and then are you guys ill prepared or off balance? Um, I would lean towards no, because you guys all headed here seeking out adventure. Um, unless you disagree. I think we're ready ready to rumble. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, ready to rumble Hmm. with the rock monster and three team in the pool. Let's go. Yeah, so this thing is charging forward, swinging. Uh, 
I think uh, probably Renard and Gustav are closest to it. So what are you two doing? Hmm. Turtle-ish presenting person first. Um, I really shouldn't have eaten that corn dog. I'm gonna look at that rising threat from the ground, and uh, let's see. I am going to unleash my powers. I'm going to uh, vomit some paralytic mucus at him. Ooh, disgusting. Roll plus four. And you're, yeah, okay, so you're shooting to immobilize him? Yeah, okay. Cool, cool. Um, <laughs> the immobilization is more of a happy side effect of the, uh... Are you, are you doing this uh, with the intention to try and, like, fight him and drive him back, or are you trying to just, like, keep him where he is to stop him from getting to, like, your allies? Or We're gonna, we're gonna keep him where he is. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and unleash your powers. There's gonna be a five plus a two plus a one for an eight total. Nice. Alright. On a hit, you do it. Uh, On a seven to nine market conditioner, I get to tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. Let's see how it is. Unstable or temporary, because too many corn dogs is not a condition listed on the conditions list. <laughs> um, wonderful. Uh, yeah, so you uh, shoot this uh, acidic mucus all over this golem, in a, it starts to uh, kind of dissolve at uh, kind of the joints around its legs and arms. And the whole thing, like, starts to tumble sideways, uh, and it's, uh, as it falls to the ground, it, like, throws out an arm to try and, uh, steady itself, and Uh it shatters, uh, uh, the, the glass disc that Shatter is standing on. Uh, so the, the... The rock monster falls to the ground, uh, but so is is Shatter also falling to the ground. Uh-oh. Uh, Renard, what are you doing? Um, can... Okay, so let's roll to defend Shatter. Awesome. Um, How do you rush to her defense? I was going to say, in his uh, power set, we have... Uh, super strength. So we're gonna convert that into like a leap ability, mm-hmm. and so I think he's going to quite literally kind of just leap up to do a midair catch. Nice intercept before she builds up too much momentum. Right, and then Wonderful. be the one that again, ideally, let's see what happens when he rolls. Um, but then also like takes the force yeah. of the landing. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Go ahead and give us that roll plus savior. Roll plus savior. Savior is a plus two. Okay, oh. I gotta do more defend rolls. Good to know. Um, <laughs> all right, we have a four and a four on dice to make eight. Plus two for savior means it is a ten. Boom. On a hit, you keep them safe. And in addition, you get to choose one. Um, add a team to the pool. Take influence over someone you protect or clear a condition. Uh, don't have any conditions, 
So I think there are two things I want to do here. One is I want to add a team to the pool. Awesome. We are up to four. The second is because you can give influence at any time, right? Correct. So I think Renard is actually going to give influence to Shatter, given Mm -hmm. that he had just um, rescued or caught her. So yeah, I'm going to say gave or gives influence to Shatter. Cool. Awesome. Shatter, how do you uh what do you how do you react to this um savior who rushed to your defense? Um I I mean I think she's a little like she was not expecting to be knocked out of the air. That hardly ever happens. Um So I I think she's um, just happy to be caught and maybe just a little little flustered. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, yeah, I was going to say, when ahead. they come to the ground, again, I think it's a situation where Renard kind of does that, like, assessment are you okay? Kind of like, both does that like visual assessment of are there any injuries? Are you okay? Um, and then also says exactly those lines. Do you have any injuries? Are you okay? Like that very functional like response to a situation. Because that's again part of the training he has kicking in of mm-hmm. are you know, physically are you alright? You know, is there any damage that you're aware of? Is there anything I can see? Are there any yeah. issues that need to be addressed immediately? Fundraiser is a professional hero. Yeah, and I, I think if he's checking after her, she's going to be like, I'm like totally fine, thanks to you. That was like really good instincts. Good job. And then I think at that point, he does a quick introduction. Uh, publicly, fundraiser, but you can call me Renard. Hi. Hey, Shatter. Shatter, nice to meet you. Why are you um, here? Oh, okay, we can cut that part. No, I, no, no, that's a I, very valid I, question. I, I was, yeah, I, I, you know, I sort of don't know what's going on with the turtle guy, and now there's a person falling from the sky that previously wasn't aware of. So I feel like, you know, now that we've assessed there's no immediate danger to health, the next question automatically becomes, I'm sorry, why are you here? That guy is, like, making super dangerous weapons with that weird hammer. And that's my friend Gustav. He's here to help. I gave him a corn dog. It was so nice of you to do that, Gustav. Ugh. Wait. Um, Shatter, right? Mm-hmm. You said he was here to help. Why yeah, Gu- you... Gustav is here to help. Yes, yes, Gustav's here to help. Yeah. Why are you here? Oh, I'm I'm here to help Gustav. <laughs> At that, I think Renard cautiously turns to face the threats, but again is sort of side eyeing and shifting to keep chatter visible while also 
keeping an eye on the threat. It's sort of a panel of like eyes looking this way, eyes looking that way, eyes looking this way, eyes looking that way. Um, Definitely not a lot of trust among these teammates. That was an interesting way to answer that question. Is sort of the thought bubble. Interesting way to answer that question. Um, and uh, as you turn, we see um, this creature kind of struggling to its feet and pounding the ground. Um, and behind him, you can see this boy start to move. And uh, Merlin says to Gage, He's going after the hammer! We have to stop the hammer! <laughs> uh, and Gage, burning with the spirit of Pendragon, flickers for a moment as he sees Shatter and has that like brief moment of like, Oh no, she got hotter. Uh and then, uh, as the feelings of Pendragon rise up, it's like, that that guy just endangered her. And bubbling out from his mouth, he goes, You dare harm a fair maiden? You must pay! Wonderful. And he is going to charge uh, the, the Forge kid and uh, hit him with the blunt end of uh, Excalibur. Wonderful. Give us a roll to plus danger to directly engage a threat. All right. Um, and when you directly engage someone who has no influence over you, you can always choose one additional option, even on a miss. Since you specified that he's not an adult, he does not have influence over me. Yep. Yep. This so. is correct. Awesome. Which is great, because that was a miss. That was a five. <laughs> Alright, uh, there is four team in the pool. If anyone three. wants to help out. Um, Renard added one after he said Oh, oh okay, uh, I see. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, does anyone want to help uh, Pendragon with his attack? Or is he also getting experience? <laughs> <laughs> so he is, just as a recap, he is Trying to hit the kid with the flat of his blade. Yes. Was it the flat of the blade, or are you trying to perform the murder stroke on this guy? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's specifically the blunt end. Because oh. uh, if you if you flip your sword around and hit somebody with the pommel, that is technically a murder stroke. <laughs> no. Um. Shatter will help. Um, she is going to grab some glass and form it like a little case around his feet so he can't like step out of the way. Awesome. Glass all around his feet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's all the broken glass from your platform. Yeah, there's, there's glass around. <laughs> Boom. Awesome. That takes us to a six, right? That gets us to a six. Okay. Uh, turtle presenting person first, if they want to go. Uh, Gustav is gonna shoot forward, scooch along the ground, and, uh, I believe technically it is a modified show Ryukin, as, uh, he extends one little fist up forwards and knocks the poor guy in the chin to, uh, bop his head into the flat of Pendragon's blade. (laughs) Gets it with the one-two combo. Awesome. And that brings us up to a seven. 
Pendragon, uh, which means you get to pick one. Uh, resist or avoid their blows. Take something from them. Create an opportunity for your allies or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. I'm going to create an opportunity for my allies. Awesome. Um, all right, sweet. Okay, so he gets to trade blows. Um, uh, oh boy, this is exciting. What should I do? Um, uh, yeah, so he is going to, uh, as you smack him with the blade and he, like, falls down onto the ground, his feet are caught up, so he just, like, falls smack onto his back. He kind of reaches over to the side, and you see a swirling portal of golden, fiery energy as that he reaches inside and pulls out uh, another hammer. It's like a, a smaller, more like a one-handed mallet um, that he throws at you. Um, and it clocks you in the chin and sends you stumbling backwards. Uh, go ahead and take a powerful blow. Which is 2d6 plus your conditions, the number of conditions you have marked. Yep. Is a solid 8. Ooh. Okay, okay. Um, so on a 7 and 9, choose 1. Lash out verbally, provoke a teammate to full hearty action, or burn your influence to inflict the condition. Uh, give ground, your opposition gets an opportunity, or you struggle past the pain and mark two conditions. Um, so with the lash out, is it lashing out at a teammate? Um, yeah, so yeah. The, the provoke option is you have to, like, you are angry and you are taking your anger out on your teammates and trying to get them, like, provoking them to take action. Okay. Uh, I think in this case, I'm now going to give ground and give an opportunity to the enemy as uh, he just hails, the gods! A projectile object just hit my visage! <laughs> um, and uh, the, the kid is going to pull another hammer out of a blade force portal and shatter the glass on his feet and uh, starts standing up again and he is like makes eye contact with you Pendragon and then back down at the hammer on the floor and is like about to make a break for it. Renard, what are you doing? I think having just seen um, Gage get knocked back and the glass around him being shattered, and uh, yeah, everything that's going on. I think um, Renard is also going to make a move to go after the hammer, or at least put himself between um, this guy and the hammer, understanding that, like, that's his object that that's again both of their objectives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you I, almost might be defending the hammer. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was that or I mean if he's going for it and I'm gonna be in his way, 
I was thinking like directly engage a threat, and then if I do well, take something from him being the hammer because yeah, it's yeah, kind of um, in play. Does that make sense? I think it um, kind of depends on your approach. If you like are gonna just like stand in the way and square your shoulders and try and just keep him away from it at all, all costs. Um, that it's probably a defend, but if you are, um, no, this yeah, is a, trying to throw down a, with him. If he charges at goal preventing, yeah. yeah, this is a if he's going for the hammer, Renard is going to actively defend it. So for okay. that reason, I'm going to say, um, weirdly enough, it's going to be a um, directly engage a threat. Right, right. Due to the high activity of your defense. Right. Due to the active part of the defense. Okay. Wonderful. So, Wonderful. Give us that roll plus danger. Plus danger. All right. Okay. Danger's a zero. Gotta get somebody um, to shit those labels in the future. Um, I, you can also choose to roll plus soldier, I believe, to um, if you're acting under UNHRA orders. Which, technically, because I am in the process of trying to obtain materials that are unusual, and since that's a plus two, instead of a zero, I will roll with soldier. That's a much better roll, he says, hoping. Awesome. Um, okay. So the only drawback is you have to give the UNHRA influence, but then you can do it. Um, I mean, at this point... I think that also makes narrative sense. I mean, perfect. Nothing. Like Renard hasn't encountered anything to make him question the mission during the mission. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. No, that totally checks out. Cool. So the UNHRA now has influence over you, and you can make that roll plus soldier. Okay. So the good news is I've got a five and a four on dice to make nine, but since soldier, it goes to an eleven. Boom! Perfect. So that is a big old 10 plus on directly engage a threat. So on directly engage a threat... On a 10 plus, you get to pick two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, And, uh, yeah, resist or avoid their blows. Take something from them. Create an opportunity for your allies or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. So definitely take something from them, which is the hammer, because that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to also resist or avoid their blows. Awesome, awesome. That seems in line with like the super strength and durability, and so far, yeah. Okay, that makes sense for mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, yeah. No, that all checks out. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So you throw down with this kid, and uh, like not real strong, uh. He's really tired. Um, he does have this, uh, like, earth creature that it's trying to defend him, but it's uh, it's kind of falling apart thanks to Gustav's acid. And you just, uh, yeah, clock him and send him slamming into the ground. Uh, and uh, so you, yeah, you take control of the hammer. Do you, you pick it up? I'm certainly going to try. Um, it is... Damn heavy, like insanely heavy. Okay. Uh, and uh, you also do not like get any of like the the. There's no fire around it. There's no light. It is just like a giant chunk of metal in your hands. Um, because you have super strength, you can still use it. 
as a like pretty decent weapon. But okay. um the the magic of the fire is is missing. Okay, that makes sense. Um so again, I sort of have this weight tid weapon um available, but really it's just a heavy weight at this point. Okay. Awesome. And I think this kid he's like I mean, he was already on the brink, and I think he's just, like, about ready to give up. And he is just, like, kind of breaks down. And he's just going to be like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not, they're going to, he's going to turn me in. I'm going to get put in jail for shooting Neptune, even though I didn't do it. He's going to, I don't know what to do anymore. I feel at this Pen dragging kind of does this like uh, looms over the the kid, but in this like heroic pose, not like in the menacing, but as in like the hero mm-hmm. has arrived. Mm-hmm. And he uh, leans out and puts a hand on his something goes. We are not civilian. For pen dragon is here, and pen dragon can vouch that you are just a cog in the machine. That you have been indoctrinated into child labor, which is villainous. Therefore, you are a victim of this weaponsmith. And Pendragon shall make sure that that is known. It sounds like you might be trying to comfort and support him. Indeed I am. Would be my guess. So why don't you go ahead and give us that roll plus mundane. So now's the time to learn if I am a midnighter or a heartbreaker. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> midnighter. Ooh. <laughs> that is a four. Is there four. is there any any corn dog left that uh, of the corn dog that Gustav gave him? Probably. Probably, uh, Gustav shall angrily snatch it back from him, uh, for suggesting that he had anything to do with shooting Neptune, and I'd like to turn that four into a three. I'll allow it. Just this one, though. Um, and the kid looks up at you, and Pendragon and just goes, You. You're his son. Aren't you? As uh, he says this, um, Excalibur returns to the Blade Force, and the armor and uh, get-up of Pendragon fades. Uh, the muscle mass goes back into uh, scrawny emo kid. He goes, Ah, crap. Says, Do you know what your father did to mine? Do you have any idea what I've been through trying to get him back after ten years? Do you know how much I sacrificed to finally be able to pull his hammer from the Blade Force? And now you dare to spit in my face 
Um, I can understand at least 60% of the woes that you have been through. But um, I'm, I'm here because this is my destiny. I, I, maybe we're supposed to unite or something. I, I don't know. Destiny. <laughs> Do you have any idea? Do you know why I'm here in the first place? Working in this hellhole for, for some guy I don't even know? I was trying to earn money so I could track you down. Now if you are going to tell me where your dad is, and then I am going to kill him. Today's episode features special guests, Fundraiser and Pendragon. Fundraiser is played by Ryan Astheimer. Ryan can be found on social media at Evitable Fate on Twitter, Insta, and Blue Sky. Pendragon is played by Zev Shames, who can be found on Twitter at Zev Nation. Zev is the author of Warcraft Wanderers, the incredible space western powered by the apocalypse RPG, now available on Kickstarter. Wonderworld Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at Galvanic Man. Shatter is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on her Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Agatha Hazlitt and Gustav the Armored are played by Sawyer A. Wonderworld Comics is produced by Michael Dunham, and it is edited by Michael Dunham and Kaylee Newberry. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.